All right, playmakers, big news. The 2023 version of my What's Working in the Indoor Play Industry Guide is here. To learn about exactly what is working best right now for real-life currently operating indoor playground owners, head to the show notes to download my fully updated free guide. That's right. Even if you've downloaded one of my What's Working guides in the past, you will not want to miss this new version made specifically with what's trending and fresh for 2023 in mind. Head to the show notes for the direct link or go to michellecarawana.com slash what's working to get the guide in your inbox right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so excited for today's episode. But before we dive in, I just want to make a really quick logistics announcement. And I promise this will only take a minute, but I really want you to listen, especially if you're one of those people who has kind of formed a routine around listening to these episodes. So if you recall, if you're a loyal listener, back in episode 125, I talked about identifying and resolving bottlenecks in your business. So I talked about identifying any systems that were really holding you back, processes that took too long and, you know, replacing them with more efficient systems. And as an example, I talked about how I release my podcasts. And I mentioned that my old podcasting platform was absolutely the bane of my existence. Episodes weren't going out as scheduled. Spotify episodes seemed to be just fine, but for whatever reason, episodes were just never publishing right to Apple Podcasts. So I identified that as a bottleneck. And in the spirit of walking the walk, I found a new podcasting platform, which I've been absolutely loving. And I made the investment in this new podcasting platform back in October of 2022. And I've been testing it with my private podcast feeds. So if you're a Play Cafe Academy student or a Playmaker Society member, you'll know that we have private member-only podcasts where I upload our recorded coaching calls, all of my course lessons, all of my full guest expert trainings, things like that. So I've been testing it on my private podcast feeds for the last couple months And I've been absolutely loving it. I haven't had any issues. The customer support is so much better. And I finally feel comfortable making the full transition for all of my podcast feeds, including this one. So this coming weekend, again, if you're listening to this episode as it gets released, I'm going to make the full switch. So I'm working with support. I talked to somebody at my new podcasting platform, which is Hello Audio, by the way. Cannot recommend it enough. And they did let me know that for the first couple days of the actual switch, there might be some disruption. So again, I know this has been happening a lot on Apple iTunes, again, because I've been using the world's worst podcasting platform. And if you're a podcaster or thinking about starting a platform, I'm not going to publicly bash this company, but I've been using them for over five years and it's been nothing but issues. I'm 
honestly embarrassed that I didn't make the switch sooner. Sometimes it takes me giving advice to actually put something into practice in my own business, you know, point in or um, case in point episode 125 when I talked about those bottlenecks. So if you're a podcaster and want to know who I've been using, DM me. I'm not going to publicly bash them, but I'm switching to Hello Audio. So I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that for the next week or so, there might be some glitches, there might be some bugs, but we're going to work it out. And like I said, I've been testing this the last couple months. So I feel really confident. And I also wanted to let you know that after the full transition is made and all the kinks are worked out, everything will be smooth sailing moving forward. I have tons of episodes pre-recorded and batched and they're really good. I'm so, so proud of them. So again, I really appreciate you kind of working through these growing pains with me, especially those of you who send me messages on Instagram and in my inbox, you know, asking about the different episodes and when they're going to be released. Because again, it hasn't been quite consistent because I've been really struggling with this system. So again, for anyone who kind of hung in there, I'm so appreciative. But again, after next week, it should be all fixed. All right. Thank you so much for you know sticking with me through that little logistics announcement. But again, I appreciate you. And as always, if you find the show helpful and if you are one of those listeners who can't wait for the next episode to drop, I just wanted to quickly remind you that the best way you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. But not going to waste any more time. Let's dive right into the episode. So in the former or in the previous episode, episode 158, we talked about planning and promoting summer camps. And we talked about how summer camps are a great way to provide children with a fun and enriching experience while also adding to your bottom line as an indoor playground or play cafe owner. This added revenue can reduce the seasonality of your business and therefore provide you as an owner with a more consistent and predictable income year round, regardless of when your busy season is. However, having said all that, running a summer camp in reality is no easy task. To ensure the success of your summer camp program, it's important to be organized, efficient, and really lean into the strengths of your space as well as your staff. I went into great detail about how to successfully plan and promote summer camps again in the previous episode, but in this episode, I'm going to share a few quick tips that I've learned along the way in my over five seasons of hosting summer camps. I'm not going to do quite as deep of a dive since your camps will likely be just as unique as your indoor playground businesses, and that's a beautiful thing. One of the things I emphasized most in the last episode is how much of your marketing materials and your website copy should actually be dedicated to talking about your unique differentiators that allow you to stand out against your summer camp program competition. And your camp itinerary and execution style should be no different. And I'm really just hoping that this episode gets your wheels turning. So I'm going to walk you through my thought process and hopefully, again, it gives you some inspiration to get yours started. So for example, Playmaker Society member Alara, owner of Project Play Children's Museum in Texas, she has a beautiful fenced-in outdoor component to her play cafe, allowing her to add activities and features to her camps that my business, an exclusively indoor playground, just wouldn't have been able to do. 
So again, without further ado, here are six quick tips I have about executing camps in a way that brings your staff, customers, and campers joy, leading to positive word of mouth, glowing reviews, referrals, and rebookings. All right, number one, have a plan before you promote. So before the summer camp begins, it's really important to have a clear plan and timeline. And as I talked about in the last episode, it's okay if you don't have all the details worked out, but you should put a little bit of thought into at least what types of activities your camps are going to include. So our camps were three hours long in the afternoons because, again, we were open for open play in the mornings because that was our busier open play hours. And then we closed in the afternoon for camps. And we personally had to close for camps because we didn't have an extra classroom or that kind of setup. And it was just way too confusing. We did try it, but it was way too confusing to have campers running around and, you know, some children being supervised, some children not being supervised. It was really confusing and it just felt really unsafe and it just wasn't going to work for us. So again, our camps were three hours long in the afternoons. We found that when kids arrived, the first thing they wanted to do was play. Even if we had something ready and waiting for them, we really couldn't resist it. They just wanted to play. So we leaned into this and embraced it. We allowed them to freely play for around 30 to 45 minutes before calling them to their first activity. And this was really helpful as well because not all parents were right on time with drop-off. So that prevented any kids from missing out on any of the activities. After about 15 minutes after that open play, so bathroom breaks, hand washing, all that good stuff, we would start what we called our quote-unquote cornerstone activity of the day or the main activity that was promoted most in our marketing materials for that day of camp. So like, I'm sure you've experienced this if you're a parent, but basically what I mean by cornerstone or main activity is, you know, the project or craft that kids would run up and show you at pickup, something that they would really be excited about. And we did this because we found the campers had the most focus and patience at this time. They weren't exhausted or overtired or overstimulated yet. And then next, while the children were already sitting, we handed out a snack while the camp assistant cleaned up the activity and made sure that all items and, you know, if it was a craft or something like that, we made sure everything was labeled and neatly organized for an easy pickup. This was followed by more bathroom breaks, hand washing, that sort of thing. Since the children had by now been sitting for about an hour at this point or a little less, depending on how long the bathroom breaks took, we then engaged in free play for another 30 minutes or so just to allow them to get some wiggles out. And then the remaining 30 minutes was taken up by what we called the secondary activity of the day. So this was maybe a story time or a dance party, depending on the theme of the camp for that day and, of course, the ages of the children at the camp. Having the children all in one space and contained doing the secondary activity when the parents came in for pickup was extremely helpful and just made everything less chaotic when the parents entered, which they appreciated. Again, this is another thing I'm sure you can speak to as a parent, when you walk into a summer camp or a drop-off situation and all the kids are running crazy and it seems, you know, completely unorganized and 
the camp counselors or leaders are kind of running around trying to wrangle everyone, that doesn't really leave you with a huge sense of ease or comfort as a parent. So again, we like to have all the kiddos in one place and contained so that everything was organized and so nothing slipped through the cracks in terms of making sure kids signed out and all that good stuff. So parents would come to the play area gate or the classroom door, depending on which of our play cafe business locations the camp was at, because our second indoor playground location did have a classroom because we learned from our mistakes, and the parents would sign out their children one by one. This was the itinerary which worked best for us after many tweaks and improvements based on experience. Again, you'll find your own groove. The key is to pay attention to what works and what doesn't and stay agile in your planning. We included a lot of free play since many of the attending children were on the younger side of school age, so like five or six years old, some even as young as four, and they didn't have too long of attention spans for many structured activities in a row. And after all, play is the true job of a child. So again, we really leaned into this. So just to summarize, because I know I walked through that in detail, just again, to give you a sample itinerary, 1 p.m. drop-off, 1 to 1.45 p.m. open play, 1.45 to 2.30 primary activity setup and bathroom breaks and things like that, 2.30 to 2.45 snack, 2.45 to 3.30, snack cleanup, bathroom breaks, and open play, 3.30 to 4 p.m., secondary activity, and then finally, 4 p.m., sharp pickup. And yes, we did charge parents like something exorbitant, like $25 per minute they were late or something like that. And that was really helpful. Once you have your itinerary, make sure to identify all the tasks that need to be completed and assign them to staff members. If you're hiring 1099 contractors for your summer camps, like I suggested in episode 158 of the Profitable Play Podcast, the episode right before that, or before this one, it might be wise to have your normal on-payroll staff members complete as many tasks prior to the camp as possible to save their hours and energy. So if you're paying your camp leaders $20 an hour and you're paying your payroll staff $12 to $15 an hour, You might want to delegate as much planning and cleanup and things like that as possible to your payroll staff. For us, we basically just had our teachers come in, execute the camp, and leave. They didn't really have to worry about too much cleanup or too much preparation. Now, we did have several meetings with all of our camp leaders prior to our first camp, and they got to give tons of feedback and suggestions and ideas when it came to the actual camp activities and curriculums because They're the expert, but we didn't ask them to purchase any supplies. We didn't ask them to, again, prepare anything. We did all of that in-house. And I really think that encouraged them to keep coming back camp after camp after camp. Again, because as I mentioned in the last episode, a lot of times we would allow these contractors, these camp leaders to bring their own children with them if they were in that age range of the other campers. So we didn't expect them to stay in clean or come early and prepare, nothing like that. So again, be really smart with your payroll hours here to save as much money as possible and make your camps as profitable as possible. All right, tip number two, set clear expectations and over-communicate. So make sure to communicate your camp expectations to parents, 
staff, and campers alike. This will help everyone understand the rules and regulations of the camp, as well as their individual roles in the camp success. I found that parents, especially those with younger children, appreciate knowing exactly what their child will be doing, approximately how long they'll be doing it for, and in what order. While your itinerary may change based on adjustments you need to make to improve your camp experience, I want to urge you to communicate anything major to the parents. There is really no such thing as too much information or too much communication when parents are leaving their children in your care. So be sure to send and resend parents via email, I suggest, so you have a written record of this with a timestamp. Be sure to send and resend all of the frequently asked questions regarding camps, what forms parents will need to fill out or bring, a list of what parents need to send with their children to camp, a copy of the rules and regulations, as well as safety and cleaning procedures, all that good stuff, as well as contact information for whoever is in charge of camp. So provide parents with a contact in case of emergency or change in pickup or drop-off plans. And then tip number three, keep a clear record of costs and revenues. So it's essential to keep track of all the supplies needed for camp, such as food and equipment, and make sure to stock up on these items in advance to avoid any last-minute trips to the store. I also recommend, especially in your first few seasons of running camps, to very carefully track costs, especially ones that pop up in the moment, like for example, if you accidentally underorder supplies and need to grab more the day of. This will help you evaluate your program success at the end of the season and help you make any necessary changes to improve profitability and efficiency for the next year. So the key here is you got to track the numbers. And then the second part, which a lot of people skip, is you have to sit down and go over them and analyze them at the end of the season. It's better to do it when the information and experience is fresh in your mind, as opposed to waiting to right before you put together your program for next year. And this can also help you decide if your camp price was adequate relative to your costs. So I have a YouTube video, which I'm going to link in the show notes, where I share exactly how I teach my students to calculate prices based on profit margin to ensure a profitable and sustainable indoor playground or play cafe business. Because if you don't have your true numbers in terms of cost and revenue, these calculations will be futile. So again, I really want to make sure that if you're planning on utilizing these calculations, which I highly encourage you do, you got to track the numbers. It's much more difficult and time-consuming to try to go back and reverse engineer these numbers. It's much easier to keep track of them as you're making these expenditures and making this money. All right, tip number four, have an emergency plan. So obviously, it's important to have an emergency plan in place in case of any unexpected events. And make sure to provide staff and campers with the necessary information in case of an emergency. And I highly recommend communicating these procedures to parents, which I alluded to earlier. If you're wondering what types of things you may want to consider prepping in advance, I have another podcast episode to check out about preparing your indoor playground business for an emergency. So again, for your checklist, go to that episode. All right, tip number five, move in right along here. 
keep in close contact with teachers and staff and ask for feedback. So you always want to keep track of the progress of the camp by having regular meetings and touch points with staff members. This will help you stay up to date even if you're not there in person and make any necessary changes to ensure the success of the camp program. While you don't necessarily need to review like costs and revenue with them, I would definitely recommend asking them for feedback on the activities and itinerary and ask for suggestions when necessary. So like if one activity caused way too much chaos or mess or the kids didn't really seem engaged with it, that's information that you want to know because if the kids don't have fun and if the teachers don't have fun, no one's going to come back next season. Doing this helped us ensure our staff and camp leaders were feeling heard and appreciated and also ensured they were working in what they considered an enjoyable work environment that they actively were encouraged to contribute to. Again, this led to high retention rates between summer camp seasons, which reduced our need to recruit, hire, and train new leaders every year, which can be an extremely cumbersome process. Something I hear from pretty much every indoor playground owner is that the entire you know, hiring, training, that entire staff management process is way more complicated and way more difficult than they think it's going to be. And it can be expensive. So again, it's much easier to keep your current staff members happy than have to go out and get new ones every single year. And then last tip, tip number seven, ask for parent feedback and reviews. So in addition to asking your leaders for feedback, after each camp session, be sure to send an email survey or a Google form asking for feedback. While parents are not necessarily comfortable sharing honest feedback to the teacher or owner's face, especially if they have their kids like in tow with them, they'll likely be more open in an online format. And they can actually sit down while their head is clear and after they've processed everything and form clear thoughts. While negative or constructive feedback may be difficult to read, trust me, I've been there, it's much better for your business to collect this information privately on a survey or Google form than in a public online review that others can read. So I recommend sending this immediately after camp is over to, again, catch any of that negative feedback before it's posted online. And if someone did have negative feedback, be sure to email a reply and mention if you were able to implement changes based on their experience. This will reduce the likelihood that the camp family will be lost as customers and will also, again, reduce the likelihood of them spreading negative feedback amongst their friends and circles and on social media. So again, if they have a suggestion and you end up implementing it, let them know and thank them. They're going to appreciate you listening to them and validating their opinions and they love to see positive change. Now, if someone leaves positive feedback, it's a great idea to gently ask for a review or a testimonial and send them a link directly to your Google listing page or wherever you want them to leave that review. Make it as easy as possible for them. And then if you need some inspiration or suggestions on how to capitalize on these reviews as marketing assets to increase your camp bookings, you can go back and listen to Profitable Play podcast episode 85. I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. So you guys have some homework after listening to this episode. But by following these tips, you can ensure that your summer camp is run efficiently 
and effectively. With proper <laughs> proper planning and organization, you can provide campers with an enjoyable and safe experience, and you can leave parents thrilled that they entrusted you with their children's care. And if you'd like to join Play Cafe Academy right now for more support and tips and unlock a free month inside my group coaching and resource membership Playmaker Society, just click the link in the show notes. Wow, this is a long episode. I'm really struggling with my words at the end here. But anyways, head to the show notes and learn more and feel free to DM me on Instagram with any questions. We would love to help you create a profitable and enjoyable summer cramp pro program <laughs> for your indoor playground or play cafe business. Whew. All right, we got through that one together. I really appreciate it. And again, thank you so much for sticking with me through that little logistics update at the beginning of the episode. I'm really looking forward to the switch and I hope you are too. And cheers to more consistent episodes and timing. Have a great weekend. I will see you right back here on Monday.